We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. Welcome back to the Walking With Podcast, episode three. Uh, We're doing a series right now on why story matters and why we have to start there. Episode one was talking about our story framework. Episode two, we were talking about why it starts with you as a ministry leader. And now in this last episode of the series, we want to talk about why it's so important in your role of walking with others, whether you call yourself a pastoral counselor or a discipler or a shepherd or whatever, why is it so important as you walk alongside of others? So Chris, start us off with why this is relevant and what, what's something that you have seen in regards to this. So last weekend, I and a colleague of mine went to do some wilderness first aid training. And this is a two-day class that's put on to train people on how to be better equipped to help people uh, with their you know physical problems out in the backcountry in the wilderness. Throughout the weekend, we ran some scenarios where we would get some training and then we would go and actually practice. And they actually used like um, stage makeup and stuff like that to put blood and, and bruises on people. And we'd have to go out and figure out what was wrong with the person that we had come across on the trail, for example, and then move into some kind of treatment. One of the scenarios that they created was that uh, a guy had gone, he was doing some trail maintenance, he climbed a tree uh, to cut down a branch because it was impeding the, the trail. He fell out of the tree and uh, sprained his ankle. And so the stage makeup was on his ankle like a bruise. And it, it was really kind of gross and cool at the same time. Um, so I was one of the responders, right, to go out and, and try to figure out what was happening. So we come up cr- across this guy on the trail He's complaining about the pain in his ankle and, um, and, and that it hurts and that we need to do something about that. And so we, the response first is to deal with that, but always keep in mind that there could be something deeper happening. There could be something more systemic to the person than is presenting as the injury. And um, through the process that we had been trained in to do some of this assessment of the patient, we came to find out through the questions that he had skipped breakfast this morning, that he um, also didn't have anything to, to drink, and that he was hypoglycemic, right? This is all the, the scenario that they had set up for us and, and all that. And so the treatment of the ankle is important, but also the treatment of the hypoglycemia, because what happened when he climbed the tree was that he got swoony and, and dizzy and whatever, and that's why he fell out of the tree. Now, if we as first aid responders didn't deal with the uh, hypoglycemia as well as the ankle, then we would have completely had other problems on our hands. Mm. It is the same thing in counseling, okay? It is the same thing in counseling that whatever seems to be the presenting issue, we need to deal with, but at the same time, it's usually not the deepest issue. Mm. It's usually uh, symptomatic of a much deeper cancer. Right. That uh, and what I find in pastoral counseling, especially, is that we spiritualize symptoms. 
we begin to look on the surface of what's happening. And if we can fix the symptom, then far too often it feels like we are fixing the problem when in fact we're not. Usually what will happen is that we, if we address the symptom, the it will pop up you know something else will pop up in a different place yeah. so we have to have our attention attuned to the deeper stories that could be at play and begin to parse those out with people and not just focus on the symptom mm -hmm. i've heard this a lot lately with um, ministry student ministry staff mm -hmm. and some of the applicants these days who are fresh out of college they're young and they are facing um, things that you know we didn't right. 25 years ago for sure but one of the most common is unwanted sexual addictions usually some sort of addiction to pornography and that mm -hmm. is one of those presenting problems on, on the surface it looks like a, an unholy addiction right some sort of sexual brokenness but there is often so much more beneath that right yeah for sure talk a little bit about what some of the more common approaches to dealing with those on this on the surface or you know front and center issues are yeah um, well, I like to think about it in, in two ways, and sorry to make it always go back to medical in this episode. For some reason, it's on my mind. Last week, a family member had to go to the hospital to get some stitches because she'd fallen and, and uh, cut open her head. In, in the medical field, there's triage where you come into the emergency room and you do what's absolutely necessary first. But from triage, if there's a deeper systemic thing, you go into the operating room, from the emergency room to the operating room, you do the deeper work there, and then you go into the recovery room, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a framework that I like to think about with counseling. So um, if somebody is coming to you with, for example, the pornography or sexual addiction, addiction issue, right, there, there needs to be some triage. We need to find some ways to stop the bleeding, make sure the airway is open, and make sure the heart is beating right. Stop uh, finding some barriers to access to pornography, finding some accountability of, you know, I, I'm not going to be alone anymore, or, you know, I'm going to find a, a way to phone a friend when I'm tempted, those kinds of things, right? That's a that's triage kind of situation. But limiting access is not healing the problem, right? We have to get into the deeper issue. It helps for now. We have to do that for now. But deeper underneath the uh, addiction, for example, is our stories that are at play of being um, unwanted themselves or being triangulated into a, a family situation that they didn't want to be in, being sexually abused as a child, having uh, no sense of what masculinity, femininity is, and, and uh, the world is more than happy to give us those kinds of answers, right? So there's always something deeper to this, the surface level issue. Mm -hmm. One of the big things, though, is that a lot of literature is out there with regard to pornography recovery that that stays on that symptom level. It doesn't dive deeper into the stories that drive the symptoms. And um, there's even one out there um, right now that tells guys to to put um, rubber bands around their wrists. And anytime they have a sexual thought or a temptation, they're supposed to snap the rubber band as like aversion therapy, he calls it. And so um, when I have a, a, a thought, uh, snapping the band is going to make me now associate it with pain rather than pleasure. And so I'm going to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so, so surfacy and absolutely not the way that Jesus engages people either. Mm -hmm. He's not concerned about our symptoms. He's concerned about the deeper issues, the deeper cancers that keep us in a disconnected state mm -hmm. from him. Mm -hmm. Often a lot of that falls into a category we would call sin management. 
in counseling, it's behavior modification. Um, It's just dealing with those symptoms and stopping there and not getting at the, the broken roots that are going to constantly produce the growth if we're not if we're not getting, getting, down, getting down to the roots. And the other thing that can happen too is the spiritualization of the problem, right? And so biblically, especially those in ministry, will go to spaces or places in the, in the scriptures that talk about um, not lusting, not, you know, not uh, avoiding sexual immorality, those kinds of things, or, or even other things like anger or depression or anxiety. Do not be anxious, the Bible says. And so then we spiritualize the anxiety and completely miss the deeper story of what's going on there. Yes, Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious. Yes, he wants us to avoid uh, sexual immorality. But we have to understand how we got to that place first if we're going to um, if we're going to do anything really long-term healing mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. So somebody who is walking alongside of a college student or a parishioner, a congregant, or even a, a team member, a staff member that they are leading and supervising, and a confession happens mm-hmm. or a, a clear, clearly the, they've been triggered, right? Like something has come up right? and they're talking about it. What is the posture that that leader ought to have mm-hmm. with the person that they are caring for through a story lens. Right. In Romans, Paul says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the correction of God. It's not the law of God. It is his kindness. And so I'm always going to harp on having a posture of kindness is going to be the most redemptive. It's not permissiveness. It's not you know condoning the sin. Uh, and saying it's okay, you'll be fine. Yeah, but it's a it's a posture of kindness that the the, the pastoral counselor, the minister has towards that person, um, that is not judgmental, that is not uh, judging, right? Towards them, the saying, you know, you need to to step away from X Y Z. Like we want to make sure that they are still honored as a person and recognize that. Um, yes, there is something wrong that they're doing. There's something wrong or sinful or, or, or whatever. Uh, but to have a posture of kindness is going to establish the relationship with the person, which is what they actually need. Mm-hmm. Most addictions are attachment disorders. They, it's, it's, a dis, it's a disordered way of finding something to attach to. And so as a pastoral counselor, if you can offer them in, even in that one conversation or the, or the many years that you're walking with that person, a, a different kind of attachment, you will actually be part of the healing process for that hmm. person. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? So we talked about attachment in the last episode. So go back to that one if you want to hear about the four different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really important and helpful. What are a couple of phrases, um, sentences even, that you can offer that would show that level of kindness that you're talking about? Um, That's a really good question. I I always go back to kind of it depends on the situation and something along the lines of, you know, I am not even really sure what to say right now, but I'm just really glad you told me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just really glad you told me. Coming to me was one of the bravest things you could have done. And I want to honor your courage and desire to get out of the stuck place that you are Mm -hmm. and tell somebody about it. Mm -hmm. Well done. Well done. Which that is is probably the best response. Because how many of us feel equipped to 
to handle those big confessions or those big stories that get unfolded in front of mm-hmm. us and the fear that immediately comes when when we're hearing something like that especially for someone who feels like I went to one class and I didn't I'm not equipped for all of this right mm-hmm. so to just come at it humbly of mm-hmm. I don't really know what to say yeah but encouraging and praising, the, like what you said, the courage. I love that response. Mm-hmm. Internally, I would encourage the pastor or minister to not necessarily say this out loud, but internally to join Paul in First Timothy chapter 1, where he says, you know, I am the chief among all sinners. Mm-hmm. That whatever has been just laid out on the table for me, right? That is a sin and that is wrong. And yet I know my own redemption and that Jesus has come significantly for me. And so of course he's gonna offer that to this other person. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an internal posture rather than a a statement that you would make, but it helps so much for you to go, to not be disgusted, to not be overwhelmed, to not be uh, confused or kind of freak out. Like this is way above my pay grade. I don't know what to do with this. Uh, and just to still uh, sit there with mm-hmm. the person and be in that relationship rather than trying to eject out. Right. Right. And you're talking about a sin, a sin confession. Well, that's not, what you're saying, yeah. Well, and not all major stories that are going to be presented are going to be connected to sin. Right. What's another example of a response a ministry leader could offer in kindness? I don't know what to do to help you but I am going to stay with you through this process and journey with you until the end. Hmm. What are you feeling right now? (laughs) Just that, um, everybody wants someone to walk with them and whether or not we know what to do, we can still stay with. And aloneness is one of the most terrible human experiences we could ever have. And even if you don't know what to do in a situation to stay with the person, and that doesn't mean like physically with them, but emotionally with them and connect with them and make sure that they know that they have an ally um, who will walk with them through this and will find ways to get help. We'll find ways to, uh, to figure this out, whatever the problem may be. And, um, and then, uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why, I mean, just emotional response, like withness in, in, in my mind is, as I said a couple episodes ago, like withness is the core of the gospel to reestablish attachment. Can we be part of the solution just by being with people? Hmm. Which is what is so, I mean, that's kind of what drives us is that we believe God called you to walk with this person. Mm -hmm. And he called us to help you do that. And that's why we've called this podcast the Walking With Podcast, um, because that phrase is really important. And just as we wrap up this series on story and the importance of story, recognizing that you have one, recognizing that every individual that you are um, privileged to walk alongside of has one, um, to just see life through a storied lens uh, is why we wanted to start, kick off this whole new podcast um, with that kind of a series and establish one of our core values in everything that we do. Chris, do you have any 
last thoughts? I think um, not to dive back into the topic after that wonderful conclusion. However, these places where there are sin confessions are most likely to going to be the places where we ourselves are triggered as pastoral counselors, where someone says something about their struggle and it will bring to the surface your own, which is why back in the last episode we talked about it's so important to do your own work around these things uh, first, simultaneously, at least at some point as you're walking with people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we want, again, to direct you to RestoryLabs.com. And there at the bottom of that homepage, you'll see a microphone and a link to submit a question. We really want to be responsive to the questions that you have on the front lines of ministry. Our list of topics to cover have all come from pastors and ministry staff here locally that or nationally that we're connected to. But we want to hear from you. So please submit a question if you have one. Download, um, particularly after today's episode, we have a free download called Mental Health Preparedness, uh, 10 Must-Dos um, to prepare for to prepare today for what might come tomorrow. I know I butchered that subtitle, but um, it's just a free download that I think will be really helpful in light of what we talked about today. And again, just if you want a, a visual of our story framework, go to RestoryLabs.com forward slash episode one and download that for free as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you same time, same place next week.